I'm excited. We are kicking off a brand new series today that's going to walk us through the month of May. And we are actually going to be walking through Colossians. And listen, this is going to be more of a teaching series, but I will interrupt myself from time to time and preach. I can assure you of that. Right, but we got professionals on the slides back there. They're going to keep us in check. They're trained professionals, so they know what they're doing. We're going to get through this together. Okay, so for the next 27 minutes and 46, 45, 44 until you eat lunch, I've got your attention, I hope, and we're going to walk through Colossians. So um, basically, I just want to introduce the series really quick. Uh, you know, basically, who was the writer of Colossians? What was going on during this time? And just kind of set it up for context because, listen, when you're studying or reading the Bible, there are three things you always have to remember, the three most important things. Number one is context. Number two is context. Can you guess what number three is? We have to read, study the Word of God in context, always in context. And that's why it's great sometimes to walk through an entire book of the Bible from start to finish. You can take it all the way through. It's called expository preaching or teaching, so you're actually walking through. And we won't be reading every single verse in Colossians because you guys would straight up miss lunch if I did that, and I'd never stop talking. But we will be taking a lot of the meat, and I'll tell you, Colossians 1 is filled, it's packed full of meat. So excited about it. But who was the writer of Colossians? This was Paul, the Apostle Paul. So if you know the story of Paul, crazy jacked up person who was on his way to kill and persecute more Christians, and the Son of God revealed himself unto him and called him out and called him into the ministry. And Paul would go on to plant numerous churches that would plant numerous churches, Right? Paul would go on to write nearly half of the New Testament, which is incredible. So Paul was used in extraordinary ways, but he was writing this letter to the church at Colossae. And he was writing this letter while he was actually in prison. He was actually locked up in prison when he was writing this letter. And that's just incredible if you really think about it. Because, you know, I've dealt with, maybe we've all in this room, if we're in Christ, um, we've dealt with some persecutions or some things going on. But, I mean, can you imagine right, being in prison and writing this letter? to the church at Colossae. And another interesting fact is he'd, he'd actually never been, the Apostle Paul had never been to the church at Colossae. Paul spent three years living in a town called Ephesus, which was very much near the town of Colossae. And he had planted a church there. So if you ever read the book of Ephesians, you read the church that he was writing that letter to, that he had planted in Ephesus. Um, but he, he had been dealing uh, with a, a man by the name of Epaphras and basically discipling him and walking him through what it meant to, to be a Christ follower. You have to realize in this day and age, in this culture, um, many, many people were coming out of Judaism. And, and so introducing uh, the law of Christ and the freedom and the grace of Christ was a foreign idea to these people, a lot of these people. So um, a lot of times they had to keep you know, sort of reiterating the truths of the gospel that maybe sometimes we take for granted today. But basically, Epaphras had been... Um, just sort of reporting back to Paul, like this is what's going on at the church at Colossae. There's a, a lot of jacked up stuff, but there's also some good things that are going on. I just want to share with you. So this letter was in response to the, uh, to the report that he got back. And just for this, this one installment, the first installment of Colossians, um, I have titled this Beyond the Bars because of Paul's state when he was writing it. I still think that's amazing. Um, several of the letters that he wrote to churches were, were from prison. Um, and you know, what's incredible is, is that I'm always, in, I'm, I'm encouraged and challenged when I read uh, Paul's letters. Um, you know, sometimes it's hard for me to be in a good mood or upbeat when, you know, things are going fine. I can't even imagine being, you know, persecuted to the point where I'm in prison. But Paul had devoted his life to the gospel, truly devoted his life to the gospel. Sitting here before you is a person today that 
Um, never thought I would once be free. But when I experience the true freedom of Christ, I will live my life, my life by the grace of God for the gospel and unto the gospel. Lord willing, by His strength. So we're going to kick it off, and I just want to read for context uh, Colossians 1, 1 and 2. So go ahead and pull that up for me, Angie. Thank you. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will, and Timothy, our brother. So Paul was with Timothy when he wrote this. To the saints in Christ at Colossae, who are faithful brothers, grace to you and peace from God our Father. Hang me there. So this was a very common introduction. If you read a lot of Paul's letters, they, a lot of them started out you know, similar to this. Um, and just to give you a little idea, like what, Colossae, like where is that? I want to show you modern day where Colossae is. So basically, if, you're a, if you frequent Turkey, you might know where it is. But other than that, that should make y'all laugh. Come on, something. I, I want to tell you this. Normally, 930 is the most like rowdy service, but I'm expecting 11 a.m. to show up this morning, okay? Because that time of worship was amazing. But yeah, Colossi was in the, the southwest sort of uh, bottom corner of, of Turkey and very much near, like I said, a town called Ephesus. And once upon a time, Colossi was just, it was banging, right? It, it, had, it had roads, many trade routes running through it, a big city, a, a big population. This would have been a city with, um, with a large Gentile population. So when I say Gentile, what do I mean by that? Well, someone who's not born uh, with, with Jewish inheritance. They didn't, by blood or by um, by. by you know, but by family, they weren't born a Jew. So these would have been Gentiles. And Paul's sort of mission, what he was sent out to do was to take the gospel into the Gentiles. And I'm thankful for that. Really thankful for that. But I want to read something to you. And it's so interesting. Like I said, there's so much meat here. Um, I'm going to try to teach. Uh, if I get fired up, just go with me. I'm going to try to teach um, the first chapter of Colossians. We're going to go to verse 9. So here Paul is, is, is just heard, he says, for this reason also. So if you ever see something like that or you see the word therefore, we'll go back a little bit and you'll see why it's therefore, right? You get it in context, so why? For what reason? Well, he had heard, he had been told about the, the faith, the amazing things that were going on there at the church at Colossae. But he had also heard about some other things we're going to talk about in a minute. He says, for this reason also, since the day we heard this, we haven't stopped praying for you. We are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Next verse. And think about this, a beautiful prayer. So that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and growing in the knowledge of God. Colossians 1.11 May you be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Giving thanks to the Father, who has enabled you, remember it's, it's He who enables us, to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. 113. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. Verse 14. Listen guys, we get so jaded sometimes in our walk with Christ. Now listen, if you're sitting out there today, you're watching online, you're, you're you know, driving down the road, listening to this podcast, you know, a month or two down the road, or maybe you're at work and you don't want to work, so you just pull up a podcast, um, you might need to get back to work. But let me encourage you in the Lord for a minute. Maybe you're, maybe you're not sure about your faith in Christ. Like, I don't know. I've heard about Jesus my entire life, but who is that? How do I have a relationship with somebody I can't even see? 
doesn't even make sense to me. If you're there, maybe, you know, sort of testing out your faith, or I don't know, or God is drawing you into himself, and you just know that he is working in your life. This is one of the promises we have in, in coming to know Christ, and being saved, and being called out by him. That we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins in him. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23, all, every single one of us. Well, Cody, I've never, you know, done drugs and stole from people and any of that. I mean, I'm a pretty good person. You're in your pride right now, if you're thinking that. You're in your pride. And measured up against Jesus Christ in his life, I promise not one of us want to put our life up against that. That's why our faith is in him. The church said, I need y'all to participate with me this morning. But here's, here's something I want to share with you. So it's sort of a, a crazy thing that was going on during that time. Like I said, Colossae was, it was a really, it was a happening city. It really was. It started to lose some of its um, population. Other cities started to, to come up. That happens all the time, right? You've got a city that's doing really well, and then all of a sudden it seems like it's not. But um, Colossae had a, a serious problem with natural disasters like earthquakes. Um, if you study it in history, they had some devastating earthquakes that would just completely uh, decimate the entire region. Now, I don't know about you sometimes, but imagine you're going through, all right, imagine you call me, right, and you've got some crazy life circumstance, like, oh, Cody, you'll never believe what's going on, and let's not even make it as serious as like an earthquake, because that's pretty, I mean, that's, that's bad stuff, but there's just crazy stuff going on, and you know, I don't, I'm having problems in this relationship and my finances and all these things. And I said, well, I pray that you are filled with all the wisdom of his, not, or the knowledge of his wisdom and his will for your life and that, that he strengthens you by his Holy Spirit. You know what I mean? Or, or sometimes, would you rather me pray like, well, I'll pray that he changes that circumstance for you, that he makes a way in that area. It brought me to a thought. Because, I mean, think about what Paul's saying here. Think about what he's praying to the church and think about the situation that they're in. Oftentimes we pray for God to change our circumstances when we should be praying for Him to change us. Simple as that. You know what's funny sometimes? Is we'll get ourselves into a mess, right? Or something will happen or the circumstances of life, right? Because who knows that the circumstances of life can change. They change like the gas prices. They do. Don't, don't ever forget that Jesus said, in this world you will, you you might, uh, maybe some, no, you will have trials and tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Forget that. We're, we're praying for God to change us, or a, circumstances come, a circumstance comes up, and, and we're just like taken back by it, like we've never been through anything before. How could this be happening to me? How could you have done this, God? Or how could you have let this happen? Or I just can't believe how terrible my life is. We need to be praying sometimes. No, I'm not saying you shouldn't ever change or pray for your circumstances to change, of course. Okay, but I'm saying a lot of times we need a new perspective. God, change me so I can handle it. I seem to remember James saying that be of good cheer when you face trials and tribulation, right? Right? He said trials and tribulation work patience. Consider it pure joy is what he said when you come across these things. If we could get that perspective, I'm telling you, life would look completely different. And I think that the Apostle Paul, I think he understood that, listen, there's things that we need in life, but there's something you need so much more 
than what you think you may need. You need to be strengthened by Him. You need to be reminded of Him. You need to be reminded of the promises. Some people in here are going through promises or problems. You need to be reminded of the, pro- reminded of the promises of the one who can provide. You need to be reminded of that. And I've been sitting here this morning to tell you about it. We are going to verse 15. We're just going to continue on with Scripture. Now listen, it gets super deep here. Very, very deep. And I think what, what you're going to learn is, is that Paul is teaching them something very profound. It's one of the simple doctrinal truths of our faith. I mean, it really is. Listen, there are several things as Christ followers that we could disagree on, and it's not, it's not going, you know, it's not a deal breaker. We can disagree on this or that, or maybe we interpret this one way or that way, but there's certain fundamental things about the faith that we cannot disagree upon. Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. If you have a problem with that, it ain't because I'm saying it, it's because the Word of God said it, and your problem's with the Word of God. But Jesus said He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Paul is teaching them here that, listen, I know all this stuff's going on, but let me just lay it back out for you very, very foundationally. Similar to how I poured into someone and they went and planted a church. If you're not, let me say this before I go in that. If you're not familiar with City Lives or it's your first time here, we've not been here for, you know, 50 years. Okay, we are a church plant. We are rather new. We're about three and a half years old. Okay, so imagine some of you guys out there got, you know, you have three and a half year old kids and they're messy and jacked up. And sometimes I'll just walk downstairs and city kids and they're making a lot of noise. And I praise the Father that He didn't call me to that ministry. Amen. But thank, thank the Lord for the ones who have been called to that ministry. I'm serious. They're a gift from God. I'm serious. Why, well, amen, sister. But no, I mean, I'm super thankful for that. But, I mean, I'm at, you know, three and a half years old. So you're going to go through problems and trials and things like that. But I, our pastor was given a dream and a vision. And I love this. I, I love this. And I know he wouldn't mind me sharing some of these things. I, I don't ever want to speak on his behalf, but he's poured a lot into my life. But he told me when he was beginning to plant this church, obviously you have to, to meet people and sort of uh, network, if you will. And, and he was... Uh, he went to some sort of meeting or something, and somebody, I think, asked him, like, you know, something. And this, it's not verbatim. I'm, I might embellish just a little bit. Not for the facts I'm trying to be dishonest, but I don't know exactly what the guy said. But I, I know the meat of it. But he said something to the effect of, like, son, do you really think that we need another church in this area? Do we need another church building? I mean, y'all probably passed a bunch of them to come to this one. I love what he said. No, sir, we don't. We don't need another church. We need a move of God. I'm thankful for that. Because we do. We need a move of God. Don't let us ever get so comfortable that we think that everything's okay or it's just another Sunday or I'm coming to church because that's what we do. No. We need the Lord Jesus Christ the same today or even more today than we ever have or ever did. And I don't ever want to forget that. Ever. But Paul is teaching here, you know, we there, there have been people who have come through this church. If you've been here a while, you know Derek McCarter. He planted in South Knoxville. So this morning, Shift Church would be meeting. That church was not there. What happened through here? Well, Paul was similar to that. Paul understood the principle that more time with fewer people produces greater results. Because after all, he was a Christ follower. And don't forget that Jesus poured into 12 people. 
I mean, we're talking about the Son of God here. 100% God, 100% man. Could have done whatever he wanted to. What he did was he got a small group of people and he poured into them. And then those people went out. And then they affected people's lives that then affected people's lives. And it kept going and going and going in multiplication. And what we, we're, what we have when we read the Bible, what we're doing in this room today is the product of that happening over and over and over again. Paul, I have followed several trails here, but I'm going to get back on the main path. Paul is teaching the church something very simple and doctrinal right here. That Listen, I know all this stuff is going on, but get back to Christ. It's Christ. It's not works. It's not what you do. Not saying that's not important, but you can never earn your way to God. All this other stuff that's going on, all these doctrines that are coming in, some crazy stuff. No, get back to the truth of Jesus Christ and who He is. Nothing's changed today. Nothing's changed. We read all that nonsense on social media and we have people telling us all this and all that and want to tell us what they know about the world and the earth and all this stuff and what, you know. No, it's nothing has changed. The point is we have to get back to Christ, the foundation. Verse 15 says, He is the image of the invisible God. Who? Who is He? Jesus. The firstborn over all creation. Now remember that Jesus was not born. Jesus has always been. Jesus is the Alpha, the Omega. 1 John, or not 1 John, but John chapter 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Then you drop on down to verse 14, and it said, Then the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory as the glory of the only begotten. That's Jesus Christ. He's always been. For everything was created by Him in heaven and on earth. We're going deep this morning. Put on your wading shoes. Roll your pants up. The visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. Hang me there one second. How often do we act like, now listen, I'm, this, I'm not trying to offend or anything like that. Sometimes the gospel will hit you in a place. I mean, it just does. The beautiful thing about it is when it does challenge you, He's giving you the grace. And really all He's doing is just drawing you back to Himself. That's all He's doing. But how often do we sometimes act like God was created for us other than the other way around? What do I mean by that? What do I mean? Hang on, I'll explain myself. We live our lives the way we want to live our lives. Then we get in a place where we need God, we call upon God. We're all guilty of that from time to time if we can be real. And I hope we can be real this morning. He is just one step away though. That's why I love the faithfulness of God. He's always just one step away. All you have to do is just return unto Him. Go ahead and take me to the next verse. He is before all things, and by Him all things hold together. Another version says consist. Literally, everything is held together by the power, by the word, by the nature of who Jesus Christ is. The Scripture is teaching that He is preeminent. He is everything. He's always been. He always will be. I mean, Scripture is just popping into my spirit right now. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. All through Scripture, you see the preeminence, you see the sufficiency, you see the sovereignty of God and Jesus Christ over and over and over again. This verse right here reminded me of something. Like I said, this is more of a teaching series. 
I will interrupt myself from time to time, but this is more of a teaching. Um, this is really, like I said, it's called expository. You're really just following um, Scripture. You're, you're starting at the beginning of a book, and you're just going on, going on, going on. It's the best way to get the context of something. It really is. But it reminded me of something. Verse 17 again. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. If you walk outside in this hallway before you exit, and I hope you do. I hope you hang out with us and say hi and just kind of kick it. But over here on this, this wall is our list of core values. We have five. But the number one is Jesus. You can go ahead and pull that up. Our number one core value is Jesus. What are, what are core values? What, what do those mean to us? It's how we make decisions. It's what we base things off of. It's how we try to pattern ourselves. The core value says He is the foundation. He is everything and in all things. I've said this before, guys, but... Take away core value number one and go ahead and just shut these doors. Shut them. There's no sense in being here if it, ain't, if it ain't about core value number one, if that's not in place. I've said this before, I've said it in the first service again, but if Christ be not resurrected from the dead, then this is a lame hobby. But He is. You want to come just gather just to hang out? I mean, I like all you guys. As a matter of fact, I love all you guys. I do, but... I want to come and celebrate the nature, the finished work, the resurrection. I want to celebrate the fact that I need Jesus more today than I ever have. He's the foundation. I don't want to stand on any other foundation because I've done it time and time again in my life, and it crumbles. I've been wise in my own eyes before. Oh, I got this. No, he's got me, and he had me the whole time. I just couldn't see it. He's the foundation. He is everything and in all things. We're going to go on to verse 18. Hang with me for a little bit, guys. We've got a few minutes left, but I promise you there's some more to this. He is also the head of the body, the church. You know, it reminds me of, of some scripture talking about, obviously, that Christ is the head of the body, but we are the body of Christ, right? And the, the pinky nail is just as important as the leg, right? I mean, go around and walk around without that. I guarantee you it would hurt really bad. Well, I mean, don't actually do that, but you know what I mean. You get the point, the principle. It would really hurt. It would not be pleasant. Every part of the body is super important. Has to have it. He is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. I'm telling you, so much scripture just hanging off my mind right now. Recall back to a time when Jesus Christ said, he, he was talking to a lady that, and, you know, and Lazarus had just been resurrected. And Jesus Christ said, he said, I am the resurrection. He is the resurrection. Fired up today, I'm telling you. Because this is rich. It feeds my soul when I read stuff like this. The firstborn from the dead so that he might come to have first place in everything. Listen, he desires to have first place in your life. I don't know if I should share this, but I'm going to. I'm getting married in October, Lord willing. Really excited about it. And Lord willing, I'll have a family someday, and I can't wait. I cannot wait to experience that if that's what God has for us. But I've said this before, and I mean this, and I've talked to Kristen about this. I love her. Adore her. But I want her to love someone so much more than she loves me. No matter what, you love Jesus way more than you love me. And I want to love Jesus so much more than I love you. And I know if that's right, then this stuff can be right. 
He wants to be first in your life. But the thing is that God has given us free will and He's not going to force you into anything. You want to keep doing your own thing? Okay, He says, stumble around a little bit more in the wilderness. You'll come back to me and understand that I am exactly who I said I am. And if you drink from this water, you will not thirst again. Colossians 1.20. We're going to land this thing soon, I promise. And through Him to reconcile everything to Himself by making peace through the blood of His cross. Listen, it's just the economy. It's the way God works. The Old Testament, and there's still people nowadays doing it. They're sacrificing things for the blood. That has been paid. There's animals being sacrificed around the world to make peace with God. I'll be honest with you, I think that's very offensive to God. He says, I've given the perfect sacrifice. The blood of Jesus Christ, who was in all points tempted, but never sinned. Making peace with the blood of His cross, whether things on earth or things in heaven. Verse 21. Once you were alienated and hostile in your minds, boy was I ever, because of your evil actions. Listen, if you've not heard my testimony, and listen, I want to tell you this up front. Your testimony matters. I don't care what it is. If you were raised in church your entire life and you have faith in Christ, the same that you've always had, well, praise God for that. Thank Him for that. You're looking at somebody that was jacked up, messed up, on drugs, never thought I'd ever have a relationship with, with really the people around me, much less God. I got, I, I got introduced with that all the time. Like, you need a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. What does that even mean? Tell me how to do that. Ma'am or sir, you're telling me to have a relationship with somebody I can't see. I can't even have a good relationship with the people I can see, to be honest with you. They don't want nothing to do with me. My life was desolate in every way possible. But He saved my soul and picked me up out of that. And He put within me a new heart. And it's a heart to come and share and fellowship with believers and preach and speak the gospel. Just like Paul I can say, and I, I, don't, I wouldn't teach this for doctrine because it doesn't say this specifically in the Bible, but I almost think Paul was, I almost think he dealt with, with some, like, why me type thoughts, God? Are you kidding me? Like, I was murdering people. I was doing all this crazy stuff, but you're using me. I swear, I, I think he dealt with that. I'm not teaching you that it says that in the Bible, okay? I just feel like that. Because he would say things like, out of all the apostles, I'm the least of all. I'm the least of the apostles. Paul also said that, this is a faithful saying that Christ came to save sinners among whom I am chief. I think he understood who he once was. And he was just flabbergasted that God, you can use me. He can absolutely use you. No matter if you're, you're stuck in your pride and you think, oh, well, I'm a pretty good person. Or if you're down in the dumps today, you're watching online or you listen to this podcast a week from now, two weeks from now. And you're saying, God can use me? Absolutely, God can use you. If you'll let the chains that He broke up broke off of you stay there and not pick them back up again. Again, it says, once you were alienated and hostile in your minds because of your evil actions. Verse 22. And hang me here afterwards, Angie. But now He has reconciled you by His physical body through His death to, to present you holy, faultless, and blameless before Him. Y'all must not be reading the same thing I'm reading. Because that should fire you up. He's saying holy, faultless, and blameless before Him. That is how God sees you and I. And that's absolutely incredible. 
I want to remind you of something today, and this would be my bottom line for the sermon. Basically, what does that mean? You've never been here before, first time guest, what's a bottom line? It's basically a sermon in a sentence is what that is. And my bottom line today is a little bit of math for you. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Absolutely everything. Come on, stand to your feet with me this morning. Listen, we're going to sing this song again. And I pray that we're reminded of the faithfulness of God, that He can break our chains. He is doing it. Listen, worship Him this morning. Worship Him for who He is. He can break those chains. He'll do it right now in you. And you'll just call upon His name. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you'd like to stay connected with everything that's happening at City Lights, then be sure and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And also by subscribing to our YouTube channel.